Good morning and welcome to Noah's Window. All this week, Mary Allison and I are counting down the seven rules of staying power. As I've shared with you before, I've brought this talk to church leaders. I've brought this talk to corporate leaders. And I'm sharing lessons that God has taught me through the years of staying at New Spring, even through difficult moments. And as I've said before, I'm not suggesting at all that anyone should stay in an abusive situation. It's just that if you're called to do anything God-sized, whether we're talking about situations in your family or with your career or in your ministry, just anything important in life is going to be a challenge to, it's going to be a challenge to stay. And staying though is where most of the great things happen. And so I'm sharing with you what I've learned as the seven rules of staying power. And today we come to number five. And as I said at the end of yesterday's Noah's window, I'm not sure this is the most important, but it's the most interesting to me. And I know this to be true, not only because I've lived it and seen it in my life, I've seen it in the lives of others, but it's clearly throughout the Bible. And here it is. Here's number five, the fifth rule of staying power. Battles are won at moments that don't feel like victories. One more time. Battles are won at moments that don't feel like victories. On the first day, when we looked at rule number one of staying power, Marialis was teaching us that any endeavor in life is going to have its quit now moment. You know, it's a mistake to quit early because who knows, we may be quitting at the very moment when the battle is won. It may not feel like it's a high moment, but battles are usually won at moments that don't feel like victories. Let me give you a historical reference, and you'll have to forgive uh, the Texan in me telling a Texas story. But the battle for the independence of Texas was won, well, at least the, the decisive battle was won in a place called San Jacinto, just a little flat place outside of East Houston. And Sam Houston led the Texas Army to, to a rout. And in fact, it just lasted minutes. And when it was over, Texas had basically gained its independence. Well, if you want to read the history books to see when Texas independence was won, you'll be pointed to the battle at San Jacinto. But here's the thing. Mary Alice and I lived in Houston for two years. We never had any visitor come down and say, would you take us to San Jacinto? A lot of people don't even know San Jacinto exists. There is a little monument on the east side of Houston, but there is a place where international visitors always want to visit when they go to Texas. It is a little mission right in the middle of San Antonio called the Alamo. You know, the Alamo is really just a small little building. I mean, if you've ever been there, you know it's nothing just too dramatic. You In downtown San Antonio, then boom, all of a sudden you're there at the Alamo and you see just how small it is. But people come from all over the world to see the Alamo. In fact, Marielle, I was doing a, a, a conference for pastors in downtown San Antonio a few years ago and, and uh, Mary Alice and I would get on the elevator and, you know, there would be all kinds of languages that we wouldn't understand, but we recognize one word, Alamo. People were talking about going to the Alamo. Well, if you know anything about Texas history, you know that at the Alamo, it looked like a terrible loss. There were 183 men who fought there and they fought till every single man died. Colonel Travis drew a line in the sand with his saber, realizing that they were 183 against several thousand of Santa Ana's army. And he said, look, if you, if you want to leave the Alamo, then stay where you are. But if you're willing to fight for the independence of Texas, recognizing that you're going to die, then walk across this line. And according to legend, everybody walked across the line. Jim Bowie, who was sick and on a cot, has to be carried across the line. <laughs> and yet everybody died there. It looked like a colossal loss. And yet, as I say, 
when people want to come to Texas and visit some site for Texas independence, they don't go to San Jacinto where the decisive so-called battle was fought. They all want to go to the Alamo. Why? Because battles are won at moments that don't feel like victories. At the Alamo, the 183-gallant men who fought there bought time for Sam Houston and basically set up Sam Houston for the win. The battle <laughs> the battle was won at the Alamo, even though it sure didn't look like that. Well, I'm not here to talk about history. We're, we're talking about stuff like your marriage and your career and the things that are important to you, the raising of your kids. And see, it's important for us to realize that we won't even know when the battle's been won. It'll probably be won at a moment that doesn't feel very ecstatic. There are so many stories of this in the Bible. I mean, I guess if you if you really wanted to, and I think you can make a case for it, the battle for our souls was won at a moment that didn't look like a victory. The battle for our souls was won when Jesus died on the cross, died a criminal's death. But let's pull away from that for just a moment because that's a singular story. It's the greatest story of all time, even though I think you can make a case that that justifies our point. But there's so many stories in the Bible where God's people went through a really, really dark season. And ultimately, there would be a clear, decisive moment of relief and resolution. But when you start unpacking the story, you'll see that the battle was actually won in a previous moment that didn't feel too good. One of the great examples of this, I think, is in the story of Hezekiah, who was one of the good kings. In fact, if you want to learn more about Hezekiah, I did... Uh, a message on him in the uh, Kings and Queens series. Now, I actually think I did a message on Hezekiah in, in this particular story in the Worlds of Warfare 1 uh, series. But uh, Hezekiah was a good king. He did a lot of really, really good things. I think he was the best king that Judah ever had, except for David. And uh, in, in spite of all the good things that he did, he wound up under attack from the most powerful army in the world at that time, uh, the Assyrian army. And the Assyrians had sliced through all the other nations and they had laid siege to Jerusalem. And Hezekiah looked at the Assyrian army and he recognized that they didn't have the strength to go against Assyria. And so he went to the temple uh, and did something that I think is really, really interesting. I should back up a little bit and say that the king of Assyria and the generals of Assyria had been taunting Hezekiah. They had said things like, what makes you think your God will deliver you? The gods of these other nations didn't deliver them, and we're going to do the same thing to you that we did to these other nations. And Hezekiah knew the size of their army, and he knew how weak Judah was in, by contrast. And so Hezekiah finally did the only thing he, he, he knew he could do. He, he took the letter that came from the Assyrians to taunt them, that was just saying, hey, you may as well give in. Don't trust your God. And, and he said, here's what Hezekiah said. He said, this is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Listen to this painful expression. Children have come to birth, and there's no strength to bring them forth. I mean, this is just as low as a king can get. He goes to the temple of God, and he spreads the letter, this, this trash-talking letter. He spreads this letter before God and says, God, look what he wrote. Hezekiah is just, he's at the low point of his life. He's dressed in sackcloth and ashes. He's, he's pouring out his heart to God. Now, here's the thing. The next day, the angel of the Lord was going to go out and kill 185,000 Assyrians. It looks like 
you know, if you look at this story on paper, it looks like the victory was won when the angel came and killed 185,000 Assyrians. But no, the victory was won at that moment where Hezekiah spread that letter before the Lord of the temple because the prophet Isaiah came and said, God's all over this. It's already taken care of. God's going he's gonna, to he's gonna bring you out of this. I really believe that battles are won at moments that don't feel like victories. I, I've seen this happen so many times with God followers who would just be faithful in a difficult hour and the breakthrough would come before the breakthrough was obvious. You know, one of the reasons why you and I should not quit when we come to one of those quit now moments is who knows, we may be quitting at the very point when the battle is won. So always remember battles that won are won at moments that don't feel like victories. In fact, oftentimes we may be going through the darkest moment of our situation and we don't know it. We don't know what God is doing. We don't know what God has done. And maybe at that darkest moment, we'll discover as we look back in time with retrospect that the victory was won at that very moment. I don't know why that is. It's just part of God's economy. And you'll find those times throughout scripture time and time again, where the battle was won. Somebody was praying in anguish. Somebody was praying in distress. Somebody was continuing on, even though it was so difficult, it felt impossible. And later on, it would be determined that it was at that moment that the victory came. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray today for someone going through anguish in their situation, but they know they're doing the right thing. They know you're in, they're in your will. I pray that you'll help them to know that it may be right now when things are so dark that you're working out the victory parade. We thank you in Jesus' name for this wonderful truth. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us on Noah's Window today. Mary Alice will be back tomorrow, and we'll continue to count down these seven rules of staying power.